Exodus chapter 18 this morning. I'm doing pretty good. I'm on, I think, two donuts, two Benadryl, and I'm ready to go. That stuff sure dries you up. I was in New York about six, two, three years ago. I was just recently, but I was in New York about three years ago. And uh, I was at my brother's father-in-law's house. I don't know the guy real good. He's not my father-in-law, but we were there, and uh, I'm down in the basement with this guy, and he's kind of a Mr. Gadget, very intelligent man, you know, Mr. Gadget. He's got all these things he's doing. He's I don't know, you know, he's got alarm systems and different things. He's got a backup generator for his house, you know, if the power goes down. And so, you know, you're kind of like in a, it's kind of like between a James Bond room and a, the mousetrap game. <laughs> it's kind of somewhere in there, probably a little closer to mousetrap. But, but anyways, I'm down there and I hear this whistle. Now, I don't know this guy very well, but he's kind of got a smirk on his face. So I think he's up to something. I'm not too sure if he's smirking or if he was born that way. I don't know. <laughs> But he's kind of got this, you know, this look on his face, and I'm thinking, my goodness. I said, what was that? I said, I, heard, I just heard that noise. He said, what was what? You know, the smirks all. And so I'm playing with it for a little while. Finally, we, don't, we get nowhere, so I, you know, I blew it off. We went out. My brother came downstairs, and uh, I'm, I'm still interested because I know I heard what I heard. And I said, uh, what's going on down here? I heard that little whistle. I made the noise for him, and he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Sure enough, it happened again. And my brother heard it. He goes, yeah, I heard that noise. And, and he's, he's looking over here. I'm looking over, We're looking everywhere, but we can't find anything. I don't know if he's got an electric guy going on, if we tripped the wire or something. You know, This is the kind of scene we're going on. So the, the old guy, he's, he's not really letting on to anything. He goes upstairs. We can't find anything. We're sitting upstairs. We're in the, we're in the living room now. And, uh, you know, drinking coffee. And sure enough, it happened again. It was my cell phone telling me I had a message. <laughs> I felt like a moron, not completely, but moronic, if that's a word. And I'm, I, you know, I, I just, you know what I'm saying? I just couldn't understand how I could miss that. It was just right in my pocket and making that noise. I want to look at the importance of hearing well. The Bible has a lot to say about what we hear and putting it to good use. Exodus chapter 18, verse number 13. The Bible says, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and uh, the people stood before Moses from morning till evening. And so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he had uh, did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen to my voice. I will give you counsel. God will be with you. Stand before the people for the, before, before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Verse number 23. 
if this, if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also be uh, go to their place in peace. And so Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Amen. I want to consider, firstly, the emphasis on hearing. Because there's plenty of scripture in the Bible about he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so I'm reading this scripture and kind of this is, gave me the inspiration was reading this scripture, but also what was going on in my life at the time. So this is kind of like half the inspiration. And partly choosing this is that this is just kind of common sense and wisdom in everyday life. Uh, it does have implications in everyday life. It also has spiritual implications as well down the road. So let's consider Moses. Here is Moses. He's led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He has brought them through the Red Sea. Uh, they've had manna by now, some water from the rock. And so he's no doubt in the will of God. And as he's here in the will of God, it is quite possible that I do not believe that God told him, I want you to sit there all day, every day. I want you to sit there and be Moses, do what you got to do, and allow the people to come to you all day and, uh, you know, wear yourself out or whatever. And so I don't really believe that this was in a specific on Moses. I don't believe God told him this is specifically what you do. Although God, he did talk to God face to face, he did have direction from God, and he did bring direction to people's lives. I don't believe God spelt out, the, gave him the exact guidance and the direction. So you think about this, this means he sits there all day, people are standing in line all day to talk to Moses. It's kind of like the modern DMV. <laughs> That'll give you a good picture. I mean, you walk into the DV, you're singing, singing How I Love Jesus, and then you pull your little ticket. Oh, 75. Now serving 13. I'm glad I'm here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've actually sat in the DMV. It's the truth. I think it was, you got to take your test by a certain time. Of course, I don't know that. It's on the wall, but everything's on the wall. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, they got a sign for everything, everywhere, you know, every, you know, it's ridiculous. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, if you're here for the test, you're going to have to go home and come back tomorrow. <laughs> I'm ready to lose my mind, you know what I'm saying? I'm ready to throttle my teenager, you know, for no other reason than he's the one next to me. <laughs> he didn't know either, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I mean, I'm waiting for that long, and it's like, <laughs> you know, you get that little announcement. And, of course, you can't flip out too much. But inside, the turmoil is really <laughs> bubbling away. And so you can understand the situation we have here. These people, you know, his father-in-law comes down the scene, and he immediately sees this scenario is not going to last for long. He's smart enough to know that. He looks on, on you know, Moses enthralled in this, you know. And he sees Moses doing, going through all this, and he said, you know, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear these people out. And what is amazing here is here's a man who, you know, he's not a Jew. He's a Midianite, and he's not really part of the whole scheme of things. He comes to Moses to give him counsel or advice or direction, whatever word you want to use. And to the credit of Moses, he takes his father-in-law's advice. 
And the scripture, verse 24, he heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. This is an amazing fact. I found it amazing. This is what inspired me. I mean, you think about Moses. He's a pretty big dude, really. I mean, he might be, you know, big in sense of who he is. I mean, he has just marched into Egypt. He has confronted the most powerful nation, the most powerful military. I mean, he has overthrown Egypt with a stick. He bad. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And so you can imagine what this does. I understand God's working with him, and he knows it's not just him, but it is him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's still doing this and doing this and doing that. and He's still doing the stuff. I mean, I'd be pretty impressed with myself as well if I threw a stick on the ground or if I, you know, spread the Willamette or whatever. You don't have to. There's enough bridges. But anyways, it's for effect, you know. (laughs) On a street outreach, you know. All right, they'll listen to us now. We'll have a great time. You, you probably feel a little bit mannish. You know what I'm saying? And so here's this guy, and he's taking this on board. And the amazing thing, to his credit, he heeds his father-in-law. He takes on board this. It's like, who are you, man? I just spent the Red Sea. You're telling me. I talked to God face to face. You see what I'm saying? You feel the attitude. But he doesn't have that attitude. The Bible says he's a meek man. In fact, it says in Numbers 12, 3, that he is the meekest man upon the earth, above all men which are on the earth. The word meek is humble, but it also goes to a word called needy. And that really is something that you can never let go of all your life. It doesn't matter if you're the man. You know. Oh, sorry. I break more equipment here. You're the man, whatever you are. You know what I'm saying? There's always that place in your life of the needy. This idea that he is now the self-contained man. He's got it all on board. He's talking to to God and uh, he's done all these feats. He's doing it right. He's doing all this stuff, and yet uh, he, he's, got that, he's got something in him working that he's a, he can take some words on board, and he can apply it to his life and be better for it. And I find that to be absolutely amazing, considering who this man is. The Bible has much to say about the ability to hear. Proverbs 20, verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. That God has given us a gift, amen, to put to use, that we can receive guidance and we can learn and take on board and deal with the issues of life. Jesus said many times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he spoke these words time and again uh, throughout uh, his, you know, his ministry, uh, Matthew 13, 16. But blessed are your ears before eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And so he's talking to his disciples who are receiving words, uh, receiving, you know, words of the gospel. Amen. The words that Jesus uh, is speaking really are good news to their ears. They're, they're taking it on board. 
And so Jesus, you know, here's people, they're glad to hear him. Uh, you know, the Bible says that there are people that said he spoke like no other man. That they took his words and they meant something and they applied them to their lives. And Jesus said, you need to take heed. You need to hear the words I'm speaking because these words will change your life. These words not only will be effective in eternity, but they'll be effective even in the here and now, in the everyday of life. You have to understand this morning that everything that's said is not accountable tomorrow. There are things that are spoken in your life. There are truths that you can take on board this morning, amen, that might be down the road. They're not just tomorrow. I mean, I know there's some things if you'll do today, they'll bless your life today. But there are other things you take on board that will uh, be accountable down the road uh, in, in certain situations of your life. And so people are listening to Jesus gladly, but not everybody is. And so he's always mentioning this idea, you know, this thought, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Proverbs 18.15, the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Another translation says, intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. Or there are many times, in other words, you know, to seek out knowledge or to seek out vice. Many times there's a difference right here between blessing and disaster. Because you're willing to take words on board. Years ago, 1988, I went from a $5.50 an hour job to $12. Nice raise, huh? I was working in town as a garbage man. And they treated me like garbage, but that's beside the point. But I actually picked up garbage. <laughs> but anyway, so I moved on to the base. And I'm making the prevailing wage of around $12 an hour. you got to understand, after a couple of years of working for $5.50 an hour, your life gets pretty shabby. Your clothes, your house, your vehicle. My vehicle was pathetic. At the time, I didn't really quite got that revelation. But looking back, it's pretty embarrassing. But anyway, that's beside the point. That's the past. <laughs> but it was, you, know, you didn't have no money. And so, obviously, I'm upgrading my life, upgrading my house and different things. It's time to upgrade the car. So I go to a car lot, and I find this car. The price is great. I think it was halfway through the year, and so they're ready to bring on board the two, not two, uh, 1989s, you know. And so, yeah, been a while. And so, you know, obviously, they see me drive on the lot, and they're probably going... This is good. You know, this guy's driving like a heap. <laughs> so I get in the car, and the guy says, here, take it home. Just take it with you. <laughs> oh, what a good salesman, huh? It was a Saturday, so I did. I took it home. Drove it around. My wife is impressed. I'm impressed. In fact, from what I was driving, anything would have been impressive, but it was impressive. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, this is nice. This is, this is living. And I'm not really into, you know, the new car thing or anything. It's just it's the fact I needed a new car, you know. I go to church the next day, and I'm talking to my, well, I'm trying to talk to my pastor. And uh, how do I say this? Um, we didn't have the greatest, I don't want to say relationship. What can I say? He's, he had a kind of an issue of domination to what it was. And so whenever I said to him anything to him, he goes, what do you want, Napier? That's how he talked to me. I'm not bothered by that, to be honest with you. But that's, the point is, it's like, 
we're not buddy buddies, you know, you, you know, I don't. <laughs> so I want you to get the frame of mind before I say what I'm going to say. And uh, he, he, I said, I, I, I want to ask, see if I can talk to you for a minute. He said, talk to you after service. That's how he talked, you know. That was fine. And so after the service, we go back in the office, you know, and I said, uh, I just thought I'd like to get your opinion on buying a new car. He said, Napier, I'd never buy a new car. You know, I'm just sitting there like a pickle, you know, I'm not saying a thing. I got, <laughs> I got the nick, I got the nickel, I got the car in the parking lot, you know, so I ain't saying a word. I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking, okay. He said, if it was me, he said, you know, you drive a new car off the lot, you lose a thousand bucks. He said, let somebody, let somebody sucker pay that, you know, you, you know, you buy a car, a year old. Nothing, nothing more than that, or nothing less than that, rather. And he said, if you take out a loan, no more than three years. Okay. So I didn't have to take that on board, you know what I'm saying? I'm a man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't have to take your advice, you know. I don't have to listen to anybody if I don't want to. I make my own decisions. I make money. I'm a boss. You know, I was a boss at work. Yeah, I was a boss. Ran a shift. Maybe not as impressive as Moses, but I ran a shift. And the point is, is that, you know, I went out, and to be honest with you, what he said, I had to take on board in all honesty, because I'm not against buying new cars. That's not even the issue, you know. But there are times that you should not buy a new car. You know, for various reasons, maybe the timing or the finances or what have you. And so I really felt that that really was, you know, God. So I took the car back. I wasn't happy, but I took it back. Dropped it off, you know. They probably were just mystified that I drove off the lot with my old car. But And then about a couple months later, I went and bought a car, a year old, took a loan out for three years. That makes the payments a little harder, you know what I'm saying? That makes things a little bit, five years would have been better because then you got more money to play around with. Did you know that the last month, 36, I paid the car off and I lost my job? And I've never forgotten that. I lost my job. I was back on the garbage truck. Don't ask me why, I guess you just... <laughs> Went back to the garbage company, <laughs> making probably about six dollars an hour now. They're cooking in town, you know. <laughs> Pathetic, but anyways, you know, I guess I could have gotten a second job, or you know, had the wife go get a job or something like that, and make life work. But you know, I I can just imagine. You see, I would have never been able to afford the car because I'd already upgraded everything else. I've upgraded my life now, and so the car is part of that. The rent's higher, all different things, you know, and I got full coverage insurance, the whole shot. And it, was just, it just absolutely mystified me. Those words, when I heard them, I was not crazy about them, but something clicked inside my heart that said, you know what, I'm going to do this. It seems to be the right thing, and I did it, and who would never known three years later, I lost my job, and I paid off the car. The best car I've ever owned. 
And so I thought to myself, you know what, what a, I took words on board that really saved me a lot of heartache and a lot of issues down the road. I want to look secondly at having ears to hear. Because the problem is this, people do not listen. Nor do they seek out advice. They simply don't listen. Jesus made this statement in the churches of Revelations. Every letter he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in part, I think Jesus understands the mindset of you and I. People don't listen. Many times, many times, the majority of human failure comes down to this right here. By the time people fail, they don't understand that. It's like words like, you're dating now, don't be alone together. (coughs) Don't be alone together. (laughs) Uh, The old man don't even know what he's talking about. (laughs) The old man does know what he's talking about. And it doesn't matter how old he is or how young he is. And how many heartaches have happened because... They were alone together. You know, I tell people don't be alone. I tell them everything. Don't be alone at the house. Don't be alone at the church. Don't be alone in the car. You know what I'm saying? When you're driving to Eastern Washington. We just went out for a drive in Eastern Washington together. Oh, okay. Out in the wilderness, you know. Were you towing a fifth wheel by any chance? I just thought I'd bring that up. Sad but true, huh? Here's one. Don't marry him. Oh, man. How many people you've talked with weeping because they married the jerk? He was a jerk. You knew he was a jerk. Everybody knew he was a jerk, but they didn't know he was a jerk. (laughs) Don't marry him or her. It can go the other way. Don't marry your brother. Run. (laughs) Run. What did Pastor Fink say? A year after makeup? <laughs> they look. Run, brother. Run. And yet, they still do what they do. They do not listen. Don't go into debt. Don't buy that car. Don't buy that. House. I talked to a man Friday, called me up on the phone. He's 30 years old, and he's $33,000 in debt. He does not have a wife. He does not support any children. He does not have a house. He has a car and a GPS. (laughs) Why do people get, you know. I was back home, just real quick. My brother bought a GPS. I said, Jeffrey, think about this. You born, raised, live, work, shop everywhere within five miles of your birthplace. (laughs) Why do you need a GPS, dude? Why do you need something that says, turn right? (laughs) This thing was weird. It's like, we're going to the hospital. Turn right. 
turn left. I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, You're, this is crazy, man. This is insanity. <laughs> Drop me off. Well, it was like nine degrees, so I had to stay with him. <laughs> and people just buy stuff. You know what I mean? They just buy it. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the man who gets the money and, you know, the kids are... They're, they need diapers and formula and all this stuff, and he's got his little, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever hubcaps for his car, and you know what I'm saying? It's like, listen to me, don't buy it. Love your wife and take care of your family, but they don't listen. I was thinking about the sermon that Pastor Renz preached in February when he did the men's discipleship class, talking about not dumping on your wife. And yet there are men who used to be in ministry. They're not in ministry today because that's what they did as pastors. Every time any kind of little disturbance happened in their life, you know, whether they were talking to their pastor at home or, or what have you, they dumped on her and she you know, killed them because they would not listen. They were going back for redirection and everything's the fellowship fault or the pastor's fault or God's fault. And it's like, no, you never listened. Don't build your church on religious people. I mean, religious people, they are what they are. And, you know, when you're preaching to chairs and preaching to three or four, sometimes it's nice to take people on board. And you're thinking to yourself, I know what they, they say, they now, see? You know what they preach over the pulpit, but... And you start rationalizing this in your mind. It's like you're not listening. These people will destroy your church. I think everybody, every pastor's got the tale where somebody came in and told them they were the best preacher ever. When I was in Coeur d'Alene, I was only preaching six months. This lady just, she slobbered over me. <laughs> she, I lived in Southern California, and I'll tell you right now, you are the best preacher. <laughs> you really think so? <laughs> it happens everywhere you go. It happens everywhere you go. Don't build your church on religious people. Listen. Because down the road, when you're driving back with your U-Haul, blaming God, blaming the fellowship, blaming the pattern, all, you know, whatever else. You know what the epitaph is? Really, you didn't listen. You had ears to hear, but you would not hear. You know, we are lazy by nature, and we want the easy road to anywhere. We like what is easy, amen. Sometimes if we would take it on board, amen, what that means is we are going to have to put some effort in it if we're going to gain what is said, and we don't like doing that. We don't like turning people away and working with new converts, if you will, if that be the illustration. And yes, there are times when we think we know what is best, no matter what anybody says. And then there are times, amen, that we, we know what is best, but we want what we want, hoping there's not going to be any backlash down the road. Matthew 11, 14 and 15, And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is speaking really volumes of truth at this very moment, trying to lock in the revelation of John the Baptist. But he uses that word, if. You are willing to receive it. If you would have ears to hear, hear what I'm saying, this will be a piece of the puzzle that will bring the Old and the New Testament together if you would just have ears to hear. 
And once again, that's the whole underlining idea of the blessing of having ears to hear. Jesus, time and time again, placed great emphasis on the discipline of hearing. See, we're warned as well to take heed how we hear. Matthew 13, 10 to 12, his disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Mark says basically the same words in Mark chapter 4, 23 and 25. It says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Whoever has, to him more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. And so there is a statement uh, many times you've heard in our fellowship that you will never be given more truth than you're willing to obey. And the point of our text is here is the saying, literally, there's a blessing on those who will hear. If you will hear, more will be given. But really, there's a curse upon those who will not listen because even what he has will be taken away. That, you know, age is a horrible price to pay for wisdom and it has nothing to do with how smart people are when they get older because many times this is an effect. They've never listened all their lives and as they get older, it compounds as a real dynamic that's at work. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about, you know, how much Bible knowledge you have or you're the man or whatever it might be. Amen. It's because you have put hearing, uh, lightly on hearing God's word. You've ignored the spirit of God speaking as people would speak to your life. Amen. And uh, that down the road will destroy your life. Proverbs 5, 12 through 14. How I have hated instruction. My heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ears to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. He would not listen. He would not take heed. And you've heard this statement, his life is nothing but a bad decision. Because he would not listen when he had the opportunity to take on board some words. The best illustration I can find at this point in time is the man King Saul. 1 Samuel 13, 13, Samuel says to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you, for now the Lord would have established you, your kingdom over all of Israel forever. This is the first time Samuel confronts Saul. And Saul is doing what he thinks is right. He's hearing one thing and he's doing another. And so later on in chapter 15, verse 19 and verse 22, why then do you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why are you hearing but not doing? You have ears to hear, but you are not hearing. And he says, goes on to say, has the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. And so the word heed is the same word as Moses did to his father-in-law in our text. 
He heeded the words of his father-in-law and it blessed him. Here's Saul and he's not heeding the voice of God speaking into his life and it's just incredible. Even what he has really is being taken away from him. Because later on this man's life, you see here he is, and uh, he ends up going to a witch uh, uh, you know, to get into direction. No more can he hear the voice of truth anymore. Because he's at a place of rejecting it in his life. Amen. Jesus has an indictment for this generation. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 11. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you, you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. It wasn't like there was enough good words going out. It wasn't like there is not enough good words spoken into our lives this morning. Not like it's not enough you know, truth and wisdom coming our way. The problem is it's not having ears to hear. Jesus spoke, but the people would not respond. Amen. You know, the other part of this really does come down to the other part of my inspiration was raising teenagers. Don't want to pick on you guys, but I'm going to pick on you guys. I find in my own personal experience that you, they don't listen. Not only do they not listen, but they know everything. Now, how do you talk to a person that don't listen and knows everything? And if you catch them out, you hear the old saying, my bad. I hate, I hate that coming out of a teenager's mouth. It's just such a casual, you know, like, oops. <laughs> What's going to be bad is my hands going around your neck. No, that's bad. It's like trying to teach them the blind spot. There's a teenager of mine, he can't believe that a 1965 Cadillac could hide right next to your vehicle. (laughs) That's right, son, we could be driving down the highway, you can look out that mirror, and there's a 1965 Cadillac sitting right there, you never see it. Oh, come on. (laughs) I'm telling you. And then when he pulls in front of a car, it's like, my bad. Hey, you're bad, you ain't listening. (laughs) Beyond bad now. You know what I'm saying? Because we have blind spots in our lives. We don't see everything. Here's Moses. He talks to God, but he can't see what he's doing at this very moment. He can't see people standing in line all day, him sitting there all day, and and how this is going to pan out in the future. He's just simply going through it. His father-in-law comes in and says, I see something you don't see. It's in your mirror, it's right next to you, you can't see it, it's just sitting there riding your blind spot, and he brings words to this man's life and literally sets this man free. Mark 4.12 So that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. I am convinced that hearing or listening is a spiritual issue. It's not just... Well, my mom always said I never listened. You know, said the 55-year-old man. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, that was back then. This is not now. It's not something you grew up with. It's not a bad habit you picked up when you were 15. It's a hard issue this morning. It's not just your personality. It's not just your disposition or the way you are. Amen. 
The Bible says about stall that it was rebellion and stubbornness. And this is a hard issue. This is a sin issue. David said in Psalm 51, 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom, because wisdom is, to, is connected with the right heart. And if your heart is right, you can hear words, and thank God for the Holy Ghost, amen, you can hear words that will attach to your life, amen. Wisdom has the idea of skill for it, has the ideas of word, words crafted. That these are just not any advice words, but these were words that are crafted, amen, that are spoken. And your spirit can pick them up and say, yes, that is going to bless my life. I will do that. I might not understand it all, but I'm going to do it. It's, it's, it's right. There's a rightness to what you're saying. Because you don't understand everything that's told to you. You know, you're 18, 19, you don't understand what it means to not be alone. I don't get it. I know you don't get it. It doesn't matter if you get it or not. You need to hear the words and take them on board. There's a spiritual quality that says, Ah, you wise pastor. You wise. I don't know why you wise, but you wise. I take your words on board. And it will bless your life. And again, they're not accountable tomorrow. They're accountable in the daily and the, and the ongoing living out of life. Wisdom. Connected with the right heart. Luke 8, 15. But the ones, talking about the parable of the sower and the seed. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who have, having heard the word, with a good and noble heart, keep it, and bear fruit with patience. Picture of a right heart that listens, and as a result, truth as time bears out with patience. Truth bears out over the years, amen. If you'll hold on and say, you know what, uh, uh, this is right, uh, I'm going to believe this, amen. It's going to bear out over time. Not just tomorrow, but over time. Moses was able to take on board what his father-in-law said. Flows out of a right heart, amen. Not only is it a blessing to him, it is a blessing to others people, and it is a blessing to his family. You know, some guys want to know why their wife hates them after 20 years of marriage. Because you ain't listened for 20 years. And your bad decisions have been their bad decisions. And they've lived with it for all these years. Now they're just getting back at you. <laughs> I'm going to make right decisions now. Oh, no, you're not, mister. 20 years of this. Oh, you're out of here. Now it's my turn. I got 20 years. But you threw it. You rotten head. You haven't listened to a thing in all your life. People say things and you do just the opposite. And I have to live with you. <laughs> and so here's Moses. He's a blessing to his wife. He's a blessing to his family. Obviously, the father-in-law had a little bit wider vision, right? Maybe a vested interest in his daughter and grandchildren. But just the same, it was right. Hearing involves heart. It involves spirit, not just attention, but there's an intention to hearing. There's a difference this morning in hearing a sermon and hearing God speak to your life.
to just hear words or to hear wisdom. Because wisdom is not cold, it's not abstract. Actually, Proverbs personifies it, makes it come alive because wisdom speaks, it's clear, it communicates. It's words that are crafted for your own heart and your own life. Take heed how you hear. I want to look lastly at the blessing of hearing. Just one thing. That is, people say, Lord, change my life. And many times we're looking everywhere else to be changed, have our lives changed, our ministry changed. And sometimes it comes right down to hear. Hearing and putting to practice what you've heard. Not looking for, you know, you come to conference, you're not looking for the new and improved. You're not looking for the new way. Many times it's the old ways hammered in again, isn't it? Same old truths. Peter, I bring this word to remembrance. I'll do this until I die. Because basically people have a human weakness. They hear, but they don't hear. Or they hear, but they don't listen. And so you hear areas of uh, prayer. You'll hear things on you know, devotion. You'll hear things on the same thing over and over again. Why? That's what, that's, because you've got to hear that. You've got to hear that and take it on board. That's what's going to change your life. Yeah, I heard all that stuff. You push it all aside. Bring on some new stuff. No. You can't bring on the new stuff because you haven't listened to the old stuff. Right? Even what he has will be taken away. John 10, 27, 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. All in all, really a promise of those who hear and keep on hearing. I talked to a man. I'll close with this. I talked to a man who, I went to, I went to the jail, visit a, visit a guy. And lo and behold, I saw another guy. <laughs> It was kind of one of those, you know, if you go to jail, you, you, they're all in the little cave, the, 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 you know, behind the glass, and you got to talk to them through the phone and everything. So I'm going to talk to this one man, and sure enough, right across, there's the other guy going. <laughs> so there was two of us. I let the other person talk to the guy. I talked to him for a while, and then I went to the other side. He called me over. So I got the rundown while he's in, and... Uh, because I preached this about a month ago. Actually, he's gotten out of jail. <laughs> so his illustration's kind of twisted. But as I was talking to him, he made the statement, and he made it again, because I've seen him since he's gotten out of jail. He made this simple statement. He said, I probably wouldn't be here if I listened to all those sermons. I said, well, your odds are better. <laughs> we can all make it in jail from time to time, but <laughs> chances are... You might not be in jail facing a felony rap, because that's what he's in jail for. Facing a felony, who knows how many years. And it really came down out of his own mouth. I should have listened to all those sermons. In fact, he even went even further back, and I won't even expose it all, but he said, I should have listened to my pastor. And I should have listened to that advice he gave me back in 19, 2001 or 2002. Because that advice would have taken him down a different road. But because he didn't listen to that vice, advice, the road that he's on is a result of him not hearing what his pastor had to say. Isn't that amazing? He never saw that in 2002. Because words are not, they're not accountable today. They are, but their accountability carries on. They have a shelf life. 
And now he's facing issues in his life. Not because God's not good. Not because the fellowship, you know, you know is kind of garbage. You know why? Because he doesn't listen. And now he's facing issues simply because his pastor said one thing and he did another. He who has ears to hear, let him hear this morning. That's all I have. Brother, if you'll come.